One, two. Welcome to the Element of Surprise. My name is Chadwick J. Seward. This is the first episode of 2020, everybody. Welcome. Welcome aboard the 2020 train. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to call it that. The 2020 train. Welcome aboard the 2020 train. And uh, first off, if you want to find us, you can go to eosmentallyirregular.podbean.com. That is the hosting site. All the episodes are up there. Also, check us out at Facebook www.facebook.com backslash EOS Mentally Irregular. We got the Facebook page. We got the EOS group on there. Join, like, review, yada, 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 all that good stuff. Okay, without further ado, again, it's it's 2020. Let's get on the uh, 2020 train. Choo-choo! Choo-choo! I like that. Choo-choo! Okay, uh, no. So, um, you know what, Ash has been asking me lately, she's been reminding me, rather, to uh, discuss a certain topic. And um, I'm not exactly sure how to bridge the topic, but she's been asking me to talk about, and I'm quoting here, how much bubble gum you get from your girlfriend, um, is how she puts it. And I'm not even sure what that fucking means, but I'm going to do my best to guess. So we're all going to take this this little tr- uh, trip together, okay? Now, I don't know when she says 
bubblegum, what the fuck she's talking about. I don't know if it's a sexual thing in nature or if it describes some sort of action or event that I'm not aware of um, or what the fuck it is. You know, I, I, I'm sure that the point is like when she said back uh, that I blasted to the 80s and it took me weeks to find out what the fuck that meant is uh, in her mind that means I masturbated to 80s music in my car on my lunch break at work. Uh, which, again, I never fucking did. Um, so, I'm, I'm sure it's something like that. And I'm going to have to keep digging on this. But, I, I mean, seriously. What in the fuck could bubblegum mean? What in the fuck could... How much bubblegum does your girlfriend get? Or do you get from your girlfriend? Or does your girlfriend have fucking mean? And, you know, I mean, I already know the answer, kind of. And that means it means that anything she fucking wants it to be. Um, you know, which is probably the point... But I'm sure it's going to be something about putting my face in someone's butt or uh, some imaginary person with no teeth gumming at my balls or some stupid shit. Um, you know, or she could take it in a whole different direction and uh, say it's about smashing my dick with something or whatever else. You know, I, I don't know. But uh, she's been asking me to talk about this on the, uh, on the podcast. Um, you know, and in the end, in the end, the only person who knows what bubblegum for your girlfriend means is her. And I already know that whatever it turns out to be will likely portray me as some type of sex offender or other type of criminal. Um, which, which is fine. You know, we, we've been together almost 20 years now. And, uh, you know, I mean, she's literally seen me commit actual act, criminal acts. So, I mean, if she wants to portray me as one, that's fine. Um, I'm convinced, however, that her endgame here with all this blasting to the 80s, girlfriend bubblegums... Uh, birthday breakfast cocks and whatever she calls it. I'm convinced that her endgame here is likely to convince the entire world that I'm some, some type of animal man who just, you know, gets naked and eats clumps of grass and cat litter and fucks trash cans in the middle of the night. Um, that has to be the ultimate goal because having me rack my brain over what in the fuck these phrases mean will probably drive me into some type of insanity. Uh, that would cause me to run around naked eating grass and trying to train turkeys or raccoons to do taxes or what the fuck ever her, her fucking plan is. I mean, regardless, I will find out eventually. And uh, no matter the result, I will inform you, the U.S. Army, of whatever the fuck it means. And then I'll explain how it's pure madness and lies, um, at which point Ash will say something like, it's 100% truth and Anakin will drop a hot, I believe mom, because that's just how it goes. That's, that's my life. You know, 2019, 2020, 2045, that's my life. That's how it's going to go. Um, no matter what the truth is, she'll want me portrayed as an 80s music masturbator who runs amok on, in the nude while eating hunks of dirt and sticking a double-A battery up my own ass or something like that. You know, that, that's, that's her end game. But that's something she wanted me to talk about, so I just figured I'd bridge that right off the fucking gap. There's no way to jump into 2020, jump onto the, onto the 2020 train, choo-choo! No better way to do that than to just get through the fucking, uh, the, the bubblegum forest or whatever the fuck she's calling it right now. Um, okay. So, uh, many of you know that I am, uh, quite the movie buff. I'm, I'm quite the, the cinephile, as it were. And, um, you know, for all their hidden messages and their subpar plots, I do love me a good movie. And uh, because of that, I do tend, from time to time, to dig a little too deep into these uh, wonders of the screen. Um, 
you know, original and rejected scripts tend to pop up and I read those actors who were cast but then left the projects for whatever reason. I find out about that, you know, and things of that nature, things of the like. That's, uh, that's, that's what I get into. That's how I, I clear my mind. That and, and doing this, this podcast for all of you. That's, that's how I retain some form of sanity in a world where, again, Ash wants me to be fucking eating grass and dead squirrels and some shit. Um, but every now and again, you know, I stumble down a particular rabbit hole and I come upon something that's truly odd and uh, thankfully never produced. Something that was, that was edited out of the material and hopefully was never even filmed because uh, it's just too disturbing even for me. And, uh, you know, my most recent find is that it had to do with the 2017 version of Stephen King's It or It Chapter One. And it was something that they left out from the movie. And no, I'm not talking about the part of the book where the teenage group of protagonists have an orgy in the sewer. And also, no, I'm not making that up. That's in the fucking book. Read it. There is a goddamn teenage sewer orgy in the fucking book. And that's, that's not the part that I'm talking about here. Uh, what I am talking about is a slew of other sexual elements that were originally in the original script that the original, bless you, whoever that was, um, the original director, Kerry Fukunaga, uh, most of you, if you don't know who the fuck that is, uh, if you've ever seen the first season of True Detective on HBO, uh, most of that was directed and scripted by him. So yeah, that gives you an idea of who the fuck was originally going to make Stephen King's It into a movie. And um, so again, the original director, Kerry Fukunaga, he scripted in surprising detail a bunch of these fucking sh things that just never, never made it off the page. And um, again, keep in mind that he directed most of the first season of True Detective. So he's no stranger to weird, visually captivating stories about pedophilia and child murder. So again, uh, Stephen King's It was like right up his fucking alley. That should have been like a goddamn wet dream for this guy. Uh, but anyway, in his original script, he had the bully of the movie, uh, Henry Bowers, the bully, the guy with the mullet and the knife and all that. Um, he had him uh, jerk off into someone's birthday cake, was going to be part of the movie. Um, Beverly, the, the girl, the only girl in the Losers Club, uh, her creepy-ass dad was going to go down on her while she was asleep. That was supposed to, that was in his script. And then uh, Eddie, the one that's uh, a hypochondriac whose mom always tells him he's going to get sick about everything. Uh, he was going to be sexually tempted by the Virgin Mary. Because why not? Why not? I, I, I personally don't think there's anything out there that's more attractive than the Virgin Mary. Um, no, I, I'm lying. I, I, there's lots of things. The Virgin Mary is like the least attractive thing on the, in the world. Um, anyway, not the least attractive thing, but now I'm getting into a side rant. You know what I mean. Um, anyway, um, I want, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want all of you listeners, you, you faithful EOS listeners who stuck with me this far, all, all two of you that I'm aware of, I want you to go back and watch the original TV, two-night TV version that had Tim Curry in it as Pennywise and Jonathan Brandis uh, in it. Go watch that, and I bet you a full dollar, I will bet you one dollar that you will not find one instance in that fucking original where the bully fucks a sheep. In fact, even in the book, which again has a full-on teenage sewer orgy, 
that that book has a remarkable lack of adolescent bestiality in it, and yet this 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 Cary Fukunaga wanted to put this absolutely in his version. He's like, oh no, we got it. We got to have Henry Bowers fucking a sheep. It's not Stephen King's it until Henry Bowers fucks a sheep. No, it's Stephen King's it without him fucking the sheep because at no point in time ever in the history of it did anybody fuck sheep. What the fuck is wrong with you, you creepy-ass Japanese fuck? Ah, I just stumbled upon the answer right there. He's Japanese. So, I mean, that's just normal. That's par for the course for him. Um, but yeah, his script, on the other hand, had Henry Bowers fucking a sheep not once, but twice. Twice. Because apparently one scene of him fucking the sheep didn't convey to the audience that the bully in this movie fucked sheep. That just didn't cut it. So he added a second entire scene into the script just so nobody was confused about it. And needless to say, uh, Kerry Fukunaga did not end up directing directing the films uh, because the studio just didn't jump on the sheep-fucking-jizz-cake-pedophile bandwagon, right? Wrong! No, they were totally fine with that. The studio basically said, best script ever. Greenlight this motherfucker. Go! It was the fucking parents of the actors who were like, no, my kids aren't doing this. You mean not Hollywood? Yeah, yeah, no, like I just said, the, the, the fucking studio was fine with that. It was the it was the actor's parents who were like, no, my kids aren't doing this. That's because they all fuck animals and kids anyway. Well, I know that, but Jesus Christ, that's my, that's my, my point, is that it was the, the, the parents who were like, no. I mean, and you know, in, in, in a sense, just let's just take a look at it from Kerry Fukunaga's point of view here, because that's what I do. That's what I do. I, I can't just look at it from the way it is and from my point of view. I gotta look at it from the point of view of the guy who wrote the script about fucking sheep. And, uh, you know, all he wanted to do was film some teenagers doing things that would one day be used against him as trial evidence in a court of law. If you've ever... Yes, Bass, I hear you. If you've ever seen season one of True Detective, you kind of get the feeling that Kerry Fukunaga is perfectly at home in a world of naked spaghetti monsters and sewer orgies. Um, if anything, he's probably bored by it and waiting for something exciting to happen. Uh, you know, he could be in a room, in my imagination, I see him in a room full of just, you know, like, last days of fucking Caligula, Roman clothing, just full-on orgies, fucking each other while a group of midgets are naked on all fours, farting into tubas, and he'd be like, you know, I could really liven this boar fest up with some cocaine, broken glass, and an East Indian Elvis impersonator with no teeth. Jesus fucking Christ. Mouse hates you. The takeaway here is an East Indian Elvis impersonator with no teeth, okay? That's the takeaway from this. Fukunaga is, for lack of a better description, a 100% high-class voyeur who found a loophole because he's a Hollywood director. So instead of illegal snuff films, which I'm not saying he doesn't have, he probably has an entire fucking library of those, um... He just makes edgy TV and film that focuses on Woody Harrelson's balls while a stripper sticks her ass in his face two minutes after Matthew McConaughey says time is a flat circle in the ghost memory of a town. That's just who this guy is. And, you know, it's, it's not his fault. It's uh, not his fault. Except for fucking is entirely his fault. Um, okay. So, let's see here. Let's see. Anyway, yeah, that's the kind of shit that you find uh, if you dig deep enough on the internet. So, uh, you know, you can either indulge yourself in that like I do and find out some of the most fucked up shit in the world. Or 
or you could keep living your happy little life under, uh, you know, protected by the veil. But, uh, you know, the veil is wearing thin, so. Um, you know, another thing lately, is my son and I have been, or, well, let me start over. My son and I, and by my son and I, I mean he forces me to do this while he sits there and watches and then goes about his own business. He says, yeah, he says, Dad, let's play some video games. Hey, Anakin, how was school? What do you want to do today? Well, you know what, Dad? I want to play some fucking video games. And I say, okay, buddy, what do you want to play? And, you know, I'll, I'll get into that. Because first, I, I, I got to make clear is that I do not fancy myself much of an online gamer. I mean, I do like to fire up the Xbox now and again and indulge myself in, in the errant game or two here or there. Um, but... Um, you know, as far as online gaming goes, I, I don't really care. I don't get involved in that. I don't have one of them headsets that I can talk to people on, and uh, you know, not not for the games anyway, not for the video games. I got you know, I got my mic here for the podcast, but I, I haven't. I don't think I could hook that up to the Xbox, and if I could, I wouldn't want to. But um, <laughs> uh, you're just imagining if I did, no, right? I want you to. I actually want you. Well, I don't know that it would work, but anyway, you know, I, I found myself mainly because of Anakin's uh, new love of uh, cars, specifically old cars, uh, playing a lot of a video game called Forza Horizon. F-O-R-Z-A Horizon. Specifically the fourth entry into the series, Forza Horizon 4. And it's a, it's a racing game, basically. And it's set in like this massive open world in like a fictional version of England. And it's got like over 400 licensed real-world car automobiles in there that you can win, unlock, or purchase. And they go from like as far back to the 1920s. It's actually really fucking cool. So I have to admit, I'm, I'm not really a car guy. But the, the game is fun, and the races are engaging, and so I keep playing, and I enjoy playing it really just a lot more than I thought I would enjoy it. Um, but what I really want to talk about, though, is that this is, in fact, an online game. And during the races, you can see the other online gamers' uh, names or tags or gamer IDs or whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, pop up above their vehicles as they pass you by. You know, the name that, that's chosen by the player to identify themselves to other players in that uh, online gaming world. And I usually ignore them, but uh, the last time I played, there was one that just was standing out to me, and I just kept running into them in, like, every other race, and then for, like, like six straight races. And their gamer ID was, and I'm reading this, I'm quoting here, and I'm going to spell it out for you after I say it, The Fresh Maker. And all the E's in the words The Fresh and Maker were backwards threes. They replaced the word, the letter E with threes. So they were the fresh maker. And I immediately decided that based on their gamer ID alone, that I hated them. And uh, it didn't matter if I won the race, just so long as they didn't. And that became my goal for playing that game for the remainder of the evening. Uh, so I spent uh, the races deliberately keeping an eye out for the fresh maker. And every time I saw them, I would deliberately sideswipe them or force them off the track or whatever the fuck I could do to hinder their chance of victory. Again, just because I saw that they named themselves The Fresh Maker. And then uh, I started wishing that I had one of those online gaming headsets so that I could shit talk them. Um, I, again, I don't have one, so I just started making up a backstory for them and then decided on my own and was talking to my family about it while I was playing the game because they, you know, I couldn't talk to this fresh maker, um, fucker. So I, uh, made up a whole backstory for them on my own. And I, here's what I decided. 
I decided that they're like 13 or 14 year old, a 13 or 14 year old boy named Kevin. And they have a mom who just butts into their into his business all the time. Kevin cannot get any privacy. Kevin's mom is just all up in his business all the time. And all Kevin wants to do all day long is just finish his homework, finish school, get home, and just play this fucking game. And now, you know, he's gotten that. And here I am deliberately going out of my way to ruin that gaming experience for him because of the gamer ID that he chose. And, you know, Kevin's mom was probably like, Kevin! Kevin, get to bed! You've got school in the morning! And Kevin was like, one more race, Mom! I'm the fresh baker now! I'm the fresh baker! And she and, and Mom was all like, Kevin, you're not the fresh baker! You're a 14-year-old Jewish boy! You've never made anything fresh in your life! And he's like, Mom, I'm the fresh baker! Shut up! You know, just, uh, if you've ever seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, it's Kevin Smith living in his mom's basement in that movie, or, uh, or I'm not Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, or um, pretty much any scene with Howard Wolowitz from uh, The Big Bang Theory in his house with his mom. It's just that, wow, he's but 14 years old trying to play this video game, and here I am, I come fucking wheeling out of nowhere in a truck and just smash him off the road when he's about to win the race in first place. Even though I've cost myself the race, and I hold him there until I see that all the other racers have, have passed, and then I make sure that I get in there 11th place, and he gets in there 12th. And, you know, he's probably like, fuck, fuck, who is this asshole? Why does he keep doing this to me? And mom's like, Kevin, Kevin, did you, did you wash your yarmulke? You know we've got Yom Kippur tomorrow, or whatever the fuck that is. I don't know what it is. Uh, funny side story. I did have a Jewish friend one time who um, told me, this is, this is incredible. This goes to show how unaware, just completely unaware I am of the customs of anything whatsoever, and just don't give a fuck, because I think that we're just all equal people, no matter what race, color, creed, uh, religion, sexual orientation, or anything that you, you are, I, I don't give a shit about that, you're a person, you bleed the same fucking red blood I do, if you don't, you're an alien, and I want to know where your genitalia is at, uh, which I detailed in the last episode, but anyway, um, you know, we're all people, so it doesn't matter who you are, what you do. I don't give a shit about that. So because of that, I just don't bother to educate myself on the ins and outs of, ooh, you can't say this, or ooh, watch about that. So I, uh, I had this Jewish friend one time that I used to work with at Best Buy. And um, I was talking to him one day about God knows what. And I'm like, hey, you know, you want to uh, come hang out with me and my buddies up at uh, Tim's, my buddy Tim's college. We play SmackDown versus Raw a lot. He's like, oh, I'd love to, but it's uh, ro- tonight. Start tonight starts ro- tonight's Rosh Hashanah, is what he said. Now, I've come to find out that Rosh Hashanah is a real thing in the Jewish religion, and um, you know, it's it's not to be made fun of to them. It's very they take it very seriously. So, but my response is because I didn't know what the fuck Rosh Hashanah was. He goes, I can't do it. I've got Rosh Hashanah tonight. Tonight's Rosh Hashanah. I said, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's a bad night for me too. I've got rib jib jib tub tub rub tub. And I just made up fucking sounds. <laughs> and he just, he looked at me with like, his face just went from like a friendly co-worker's face that might want to hang out with me someday to just this dead-eyed, glazed over, dead fish-eyed, I no longer like you and we can no longer be friends even at work face. And uh, he didn't really talk to me much after that. But anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'm smashing into uh, Kevin's car all this whole time because he chose to name himself the fucking Fresh Maker. And that, you know, the thing is that that's on him. And, uh, you know, in, in my mind, I like to imagine that he probably went to bed seething that night. Just just utterly pissed off at the world because all he wanted to do 
is enjoy playing his fucking racing game. And between his mom ridiculing him uh, for being Jewish, even though she's Jewish too, and uh, me viciously making it a personal goal to make sure he can't win a race, he now hates life and is probably questioning his faith. And I mean, for me anyway, calling yourself the Freshmaker is clearly a sign that the way you view yourself is wildly, wildly out of control. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it, it was enough to get me ranting at my TV and make my son and his mom laugh at my boiling rage. Uh, so it was more than enough to, more than worth it to me. Um, anyway, I do hope Kevin's mom doesn't give him too much shit because uh, he's probably a good kid. I enjoyed ruining his gaming experience, but I honestly wish him no ill will. And uh, hopefully I'll run into the Freshmaker again, and I will continue to force him out of races for my own amusement. Because he fucking named himself the Freshmaker with the number three instead of the letter E in the words. Like a fucking douchebag. What the fuck? Come on, Kevin. Keep in mind his name, real name is not Kevin. I just made up that backstory for him. But, you know, come on, Freshmaker. Um, okay, so another thing is that, uh, you know, I've discussed it with Ash uh, to some degree. And we'd like to plan, like, a game night. Like, we've been talking about this. Like, yeah, we, you know, we don't really do that much. We, we'd like to have a game night. We'd like to have some people of like minds and uh, comparable personalities over to, to sit around and play games with us. But uh, for those of you that know me, I do know that i got to address uh, two things right off the bat, saying that we want to have a game night. Uh, the first thing is that I do understand, again, to people who know me, the term game night is a vague term. That could mean anything from checkers to full-on nudity, nudity at a bus terminal. I get that. But I assure you, it's just a plain old-fashioned night of card and board games with little to no genitalia, genitalia uh, in, in involved at all. You know, maybe, maybe some, maybe I'll pepper in some here or there, but not, not, not much. Um, secondly, the crippling anxiety over actually having people over and finding people who are of a comparable mindset who can hang out and play this games uh, is just fucking too much. Which is kind of weird because I'll admit that if it's having someone over as a guest for this podcast, I've got only minor anxieties at all. Just barely any. But otherwise, the idea of having people over, uh, you know, at all keeps me like, you know, I want to find a corner somewhere and think of various other nonsensical things I could do than ever do that. And so I, we push it back time and again. Um, now that being said, a game night really would be fun. And so I've looked into some games that a group of full-grown adults could play together uh, that maybe they shouldn't, uh, that I think would be fun as a game night. And so I'm going to put it out here to you guys on the EOS Army, and I want your feedback. Um, first off, uh, one of the many... Uh, one of the many games I came across that I'm just like, yes, a group of fucking adults should definitely play this together is one of the way, way too many Twilight Saga board games that they that exists out there. And, you know, I think uh, K-I-S-S, right? Kiss it, keep it, kiss it simple, stupid. Jesus Christ. Keep it simple, stupid. Speak much? No. Uh, keep it simple, stupid. So why not just go with Twilight the movie, the board game? And I've actually watched videos on YouTube of people playing this game. And I thought to myself, okay, add some adult men and women in their 30s to 40s, maybe a box of wine and some beer. This could be fun as hell, you know, because I think of that kind of shit. Um, but seriously, though, I'm asking you guys as a group now, who wouldn't want to spend a night playing a board game about the movie version of Twilight? Add some wine, beer to the mix. I promise hijinks will ensue. Uh, 
Plus, from the one video I watched where a group of teenage girls almost fought each other while playing this game, I'm assuming that uh, almost fought to the death, by the way, over Twilight Trivia, it looked like the kind of fun I'd want to have, and I, I kind of get the feeling that some of you guys would too. Um, the next game I feel like a group of people approaching middle age would enjoy is the Fifty Shades of Grey party game. Um, again, I found this out through YouTube. Uh, I know, and I promised that there would be no nudity and very little genitalia, but, but stick with me here. Because I also understand that suggestion to play the Fifty Shades of Grey party game is the fastest way to show my friends and uh, family members that I'm emotionally unstable without having to show my penis. So, uh, you know, we could definitely play that game. Um, another thing is I have no idea what this game entails. I don't, I don't know anything about the Fifty Shades of Grey party game, except for that it's based off the, the book series and the movie series of the Fifty Shades of Grey about a uh, domineering sex fiend with an extreme bondage fetish and a general self-loathing of himself. So, uh, you know, that, that's all I know about the game. And that leads me back to uh, what in the fuck could this game possibly entail and exactly what do they mean by party game? What does that term mean to them? And, you know, I think it would be interesting to find out together in a group, don't you? Um, and finally, the third game for Game Night that I thought would be fun for a group of people who have comparable mindsets to my own and uh, is Don't Step In It, which is actually a children's game entirely, entirely devoted to not stepping in shit. And I'm telling you all right now, you put a group of awkward adults into a room, give them wine, rum and cokes, and beer, and then blindfold them and tell them to cross that room while avoiding stepping into fake piles of shit, and you're just going to have a great time. You just set up some cameras at various angles to record the whole goddamn thing, make sure you email and text copies to everybody the next day. That's going to be a fucking great time. I'm convinced that this could be the apex of adult game night. Uh, with friends. Not that other games wouldn't be fun, they just wouldn't be uh, wine tipsy while avoiding fake shit fun. Or what in the fuck do I know about sparkly vampires fun. Or uh, no, the ball gag's not on too tight uh, neighbor who I just met fun. You know? Um, if you agree with me and you want to be part of this game night, love to have you. Reach out to me through the Facebook page or the EOS group on Facebook. And, you know, we can work something out. Um, if you don't think this would be a good game night at all, also let me know why. Uh, or, or just give me your ideas of what games you think I should add, we should add into game night. Okay, so, um, as I often do, as I often do, um, I do let my mind wander from time to time, maybe a little further than I should. And, uh... As usual, when I do this, the results are maybe a little more insane than I intended. But uh, here we go anyway. So, from time to time, what me and my family will do is we will sit down on the couch, put on YouTube compilations of old television commercials, and watch them because it brings us joy. Um, you know, and I can see a commercial from my childhood, and it just it just makes me feel good. You know, it's like every now and then I see that one that fills me with terror. Uh, though, because of the implications, seem to be much darker as an adult than they were as a child. And uh, so I'm going to discuss one of them with you now. So, you remember in the 1980s, McDonald's had a shitload of commercials with the Hamburglar in them? 
he was the Hamburglar. He was a guy. His, his face kind of looked like fucking Rocky Dennis. And he was dressed in the stripes like a burglar. And he had a cape for some reason. Which, by the way, people just don't wear enough capes anymore. But that's, you know, that's a story for another time. Um, or a topic for another time. But, uh, you know, so that was the Hamburglar. He looked like fucking Rick, uh, Eric Stoltz in Mask. And he dressed like a fucking uh, criminal. And he wore a cape. And he walked around in uh, McDonald's, in the McDonald's universe. And, and he stole hamburgers. He, he burgled hamburgers. Um, you know, so just, that's where I'm starting at. Bear with me. I, I promise you'll understand. Uh, so again, the Hamburglar, who is a character who just basically has one defining characteristic, right? He steals and eats hamburgers. And that's it. That's all he does. But these commercials also, uh, again, establish that he lives in the same fictional universe as Mayor McCheese and Officer Big Mac. Uh, both of whom have hamburgers for heads, right? So that's kind of fucked up. Uh, but bear with me, uh, there's still more. The Hamburglar steals hamburgers. Mayor McCheese and Officer Big Mac have hamburgers for heads. In one commercial, Ronald McDonald is in a classroom full of hamburger children, warning them to watch out for the Hamburglar, who then shows up. I guess he just fucking phased, phased through the wall or fucking just... Just, just, you know, forced himself to, into existence uh, in the classroom. And uh, he just shows up and begins to burgle, burgle them right there from their seats. And the thing is, is if you watch this commercial, the, these hamburger children are clearly afraid. They're terrified. Um, so this means to me that the Hamburglar is kidnapping and abducting school children. But wait, it gets even fucking darker. Because remember, I said that these children are burgers. And that they live in a world of uh, Mayor McCheese, whose head is a hamburger. So, now that the commercial has shown me all this, because I'm not making any of this up. It's on the commercial. You can watch these commercials too. It is firmly established that in the McDonald's universe, hamburgers are people. Talking, learning, sentient people. Who have talking, learning sentient children who are being abducted by the Hamburglar who while hideously deformed and is again the Rocky Dennis of the McDonald's universe is still clearly a human being and enjoys eating the hamburgers which he burgles. So he's now a murderer of children. Children who are taught to fear him and rightfully do so. So you see the dark truth now that you can't unsee once it has been seen is that he's a murderer who is still on the loose, who abducts and cannibalizes the children of these good hamburger-headed people, and it's played to us as goofy and funny, but, but really fucking think about it. You know, uh, between that, between seeing that commercial and then my realization that Frankenberry, you remember Frankenberry cereal? If th that and the realization that Frankenberry is a pile of stitched-together corpses used to sell cereal to children, I just decided to take a break from old DB commercials for a while. I think it's better for my mental health. I think it's better for everybody overall. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's that. You know what types of movies they don't make anymore? You know what? I, I, here, check this. Okay, bear with me. They, just saw, they don't make ty certain types of movies anymore. And uh, they absolutely should because they were just awesome types of movies. And they, but uh, movies about cars that were alive, they used to make those all the fucking time. And most of the cars uh, was an, most of the time the car was an evil car. But I mean, you got you got Herbie the Love Bug. He was the Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, you know, I can always go for more Herbie. He was he was adorable. He was fun. It was good, good stuff. 
but most of, most of the cars were evil. Christine is uh, probably the most famous of the car, evil cars. She was a 58 uh, Plymouth Fury. You know, uh, she was red. She was, she was the evil car. But the whole genre is just awesome, and they just don't make movies like that anymore. Um, in 1977, there was just a movie called The Car, and uh, it's one of the whole. It's one of the best car. The Car is Alive movies in the entire genre, as is the 1980 movie uh, The Hearse. But they were all good, if uh, not a bit ridiculous. But uh, anyway, like I said, they just don't make them anymore, and I want more of them. I don't care how ridiculous it is. Just make it about a car that looks like it could be a real badass and not a fucking Mustang, and make the car alive and do some shit. And I will watch that movie. Um, you know, also, they don't make any good hijacking films anymore. Like, before 9-11, there was a hijacking movie almost every year or so. And most of them were on planes. Uh, you know, every, every once in a while, there was a movie, like, on a train or a boat. Uh, but most of them were on planes. Like, Air Force One, Passenger 57, uh, part of Terminal Velocity, I think. Um, you know, there were just a lot of movies about hijacking planes and uh, trains and boats, like both of the Under Siege movies and stuff like that. But they just don't make those anymore. And I, you know, I, I want more of that. Uh, now, I mean, I get the why. I get the why we don't have a massive influx of films about terrorists hijacking planes or buses or ships or anything else. I get that. But it di they did make for good films. I mean, just think of Harrison Ford. Here's what I want you to do. Close, your, close all of your eyes right now, everybody. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes, everyone. And just imagine Harrison Ford growling... Get off my plane! And punching Gary Oldman in the face. Wasn't that fucking awesome? Yes. Yes! It was. It was fucking awesome. Um, and they need to make more movies like that. And uh, you know what else they stopped making that I want more of? They stopped making body-switching movies. And I'm not talking like where like a dude becomes like another dude, like, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm talking like where two personalities, like a mom and a daughter, or an uncle and a cousin get switched, or two neighbors switch switch bodies and switch lives. Um, you know, they, there's a few that have trickled in here and there, but uh, it's just not like it used to be. And I'm talking about, like, the Freaky Friday type movies, like uh, All of Me, where Lily Tomlin, Lily Tomlin, rather, uh, becomes Steve Martin for the duration of, of the film. Or vice versa, where Fred Savage becomes Judge Reinhold. I can only imagine that was an inexplicable hell, because who would want to be Judge Reinhold? But Fred Savage became him for an entire movie. Um, but I'd like to see more of those. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking about body-switching films the other day. And uh, so Marvel's got Thor, Love and Thunder coming up, or the fourth Thor movie, where Natalie Portman is uh, said to be playing Thor in the movie. And I know they're probably going to go with the whole multiverse version, and she's just a different version of Thor. But I, I think they're missing a real opportunity here if they don't go on the body-switching route, like where her and Thor switch bodies, and thereby, because it's Thor, she gets all of his powers, or some shit like that. Um, or how about a movie where an evil car hijacks a plane at the exact moment the pilot switches bodies with the annoying kid from uh, It and Stranger Things. What's his name? The one with the glasses. Um, perfect. I love it. Make it happen. Cast Emilio Estevez as the car and James Earl Jones in any role he wants. I want that movie. Make it happen right now. Um, okay. Last topic of the night, everybody. Last topic of the night. And it wouldn't be the element of surprise if I didn't get to vent about my hatred for the, uh, the human jizz factory known as Cardi B. Um, and uh, again, said human jizz factory is, is still a thing. It's 2020, but Cardi B is still a thing. And probably more so now, now more so ever than uh, in any point in time before. Uh, 
But I think that now that we're in a new decade, something, something drastic needs to be done. Um, first off, I've been doing my homework on this garbage heap, and it, it should shock nobody at all, ever, that she once worked as a stripper in the Bronx. A hideous, lazy-eyed, stupid-ass Bronx stripper. My question to you, the, the EOS Army, and to just the audience at large, the rest of the world. Um, that being said, anybody that's, that is listening to this, I consider you a part of the EOS Army. Welcome aboard. Um, my question to all of you is this. How in the fuck did everyone that was in the strip club at the time Cardi B was stripping not just immediately vomit and have their faces melt like Raiders of the Lost Ark? How was that not a fucking thing? Because the very idea that anybody could willingly go and pay to see this dead-eyed, mule-faced, vomit-clump strip is fucking nauseating to me. What level of desperation do you need to be at to be like, oh shit, Cardi B's gonna strip? Hell yes, you son of a bitch, I'm in. God damn it. Oh good, he's gone. So there's, he, there's no fucking uh, I believe mom for that one. Anyway, 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 I can't imagine that watching Cardi B strip was enjoyable for anybody. It, realistically, it probably turned a lot of lives around because, you know, there, there, there's two points in your life. There's before you go to see Cardi B strip as a stripper, and then there's after seeing Cardi B slop her fucking body on stage while her dead lazy eye just skulks around the room aimlessly and she performs a quote-unquote routine that I can only imagine is the stripping equivalent of doing an oil change on a 78 Ford F-150. Uh, and not just any 78 F-150, one that you kind of just found abandoned on the highway. Um, you would have to know, my point here is that you would have to know after you've seen Cardi B strip that you, you've hit rock bottom. That, that's it. You, you're, you're at the lowest point you, you're ever going to get. And in fact, being at that point... You, you've given Rock Bottom a, a, a new low. All previous incarnations of Rock Bottom are now somehow better than willingly having gone to see Cardi B perform a strip routine of, of your own volition. You could wake up in a ditch on the side of the road with no clothes on and no idea how you got there with your hands and feet zip-tied behind your back and that you're better off. You're better off than having gone to see than you would have been. You're you're better off naked, zip tied in a ditch on the side of the road than you would be if you had gone to see Cardi B strip. You you could wake up with a missing foot and your mouth duct taped shut, and you could be better and you'd be better off than the guy who went to see Cardi B perform a strip tease routine. You could drunkenly cause a 12 car pileup that results in multiple deaths, and then have to spend the next 20 years in prison and you're still slightly ahead of the guy who went to see Cardi B strip. That's, that's just how it is. It's utterly fucking uh, disgusting and that's how utterly fucking garbage this raptress is. She is just the grossest fucking thing and I entirely believe she may, entirely believe she may have been uh, created or uh, con just congealed somewhere and somehow gained sentience. Um, She's not talented. She's not attractive. Her face looks like a disfigured human pelvis. 
her body structure looks like somebody tried to build a mannequin out of bags of wet garbage. She just looks like she smells bad. She looks like she just smells like old, rotted celery and cheese that's just been out in the sun for a while. Uh, she has a kindergartner's grasp of the English language, and there's nothing good or redeemable about her. And yet, the system uh, continues to pump, just continue pumping her into our brains like vats of bad LSD. And it's, 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 it's a trip that I desperately want to wake up from. You know, she's, she's a creature that scientifically should just be studied and uh, to find out why she exists. And then afterwards, her remains should be burned because they're almost certainly infectious. I bet that if you tried to dissect Cardi B, you'd find out that part of her, every part of her rather, is a separate organism working together to form a whole. Like, like in The Thing. And you all know that I'm going down a dark path when I start making references to my topics and comparing them to The Thing. So, you know, like, maybe her dead eye would separate and try to survive on its own. And, uh, you know, maybe it would seek out, like, a new host body. Like, like a parasite. And the new host body would become the new Cardi B. And the old host body would just melt. And, uh, you know, it tries to create... The, the, the dead eye uh, just, like, pops your eye out and sticks itself in your head while you're sleeping. And it tries to create a symbiosis with the new host body. But it goes through a few before it can find one that's compatible. You know, the wrong host body, then it starts to break down and melt like the way a gremlin uh, does when it's exposed to sunlight. And that's just how Cardi B operates. You know, it's just her and her lazy eye. Her co entire consciousness, rather, is just in her lazy eye moving about from one host to another until it finds a suitable host. And it's existed for ages, and only now, only now through, uh, because of the, the way things are in our day and age, uh, are we aware of its existence. You know, and I think that I might be onto something there, and I'm probably going to, dop, you know, just swan dive into a fucking rabbit hole on this one uh, to uh, keep investigating into the prolapsed asshole of a human being that is Cardi B. And then I will share more with you guys at later times. Um, okay, so that was great. I had fun. Um, good episode, I think, to start off the new year. And uh, again, happy 2020. Thanks for, thanks for listening, and thanks for being part of a, uh, the element of surprise with us. You know, uh, before I let you go, uh, you know, while we're still, while I still got you on the, on the rails with me on the 2020 train, choo-choo, while you're still riding the 2020 train with me, um, I do want you to check out a fireside chat hosted by my good friend, Ryan McCormick, uh, that's available on Libsyn, uh, that's, it's an awesome podcast, it's a conversational podcast, and it's, it's really kind of just like a journal into Ryan's day-to-day -day life over the course of a week or a few weeks or however long he records uh, and decides that that chunk of time is going to be an episode, you know, but it's, it's really good, it's really good listening, uh, it's funny, it makes you laugh, it makes you cry, um, and it just makes you think, and it's good stuff, not, not, not think mentally irregular the way I do, but sometimes, yes, um, and uh, then I want you guys to check out uh, Ian, Paul, and Matt at McSauce, the comic book podcast. They they have got their uh, they they've got their fingers firmly on the pulse of all comic book and pop culture related uh, information. Check out uh, Case in Point, hosted by my friend Justin Case, uh, who is currently uh, I I'd, I'd say based off the pictures he showed and the information he's put up on his Facebook page, he is literally. 
um, just months away from having transformed his entire car into Kit from Knight Rider, and that's just fucking awesome. My son is singing the Knight Rider theme in the background now. And uh, then, of course, check out Lunch After Dark. Uh, great podcast. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you for sticking with me. Welcome to 2020, and welcome aboard the fucking... Uh, welcome aboard the 2020 train. Choo-choo! I, I, I fucking love that. It's like the gayest fucking thing I could have come up with. Um, all right. Thank you. Be good. Cue the fucking bear music. Now that's a fire. Listen, sir. Knock you in your head with my stick. With my stick. You gonna have a mark from my stick. From my stick. My stick. My stick. Yeah.